1: Did he ever? More shot. on the drive, save rebound is loose. Seven kicks him loose.
2: And this episode number 333 of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast is brought to you by FanDuel.com, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. You can sign up at FanDuel.com slash Boston and claim your no-sweat first bet for $1,000. It's a pleasure to be here on a day that feels like October outside. I know Grace doesn't get it, but it's 50 and cloudy and gross uh, here in New England. For some reason but to grace how are you and another new backdrop we see so nice to see you've shifted things a little bit
0: yes just a little bit i'm in the same room but i moved slightly so i could be in the best light because it's actually very nice here today um probably like 85 degrees so
2: <laughs> just rubbing it in
1: um
0: mark,
1: <laughs> mark all as always how are you mark good to see you pal good steve great to have you both here grace how are you um yeah good week um you know, I'm back to work after, after a nice vacation, 11 day vacation. So uh, back to the grind fully, but um, uh, the best news that I got, well, it's better news. It's not the best quite yet, but uh, I did get get some good news about my dad and I want to update the listeners and our supporters about my father. Um, He uh, had three MRIs uh, in the past three months and the uh, cancerous tumor uh, that is uh, right above his pancreas has not grown, which is awesome. And uh, he has a picture of my dad and myself. So I want to give a shout out to my dad, Mark Aldridge Senior. Love you, big guy, and uh, I'm proud of you. You know he's a he's a he's a fighting this. So three MRIs, um, and the, the doctors were happy enough. Uh, I think he's Dana Farber in Boston or Methuen. I'm not sure um, that they said that um, we, we don't have to see you until November. So. That is really good news, um, and no surgery and no treatment as of right wow. now. So um, if it grows any more, that's when they'll start to uh, to get more involved with the surgery and treatment. So uh, shout out to my dad, and uh, also one more shout out I want to do is for my uh, my good friend Nick Busa. His uh, his nickname is Downtown Boosie, and he is one of the uh, three hosts of the. Uh, Only Bruins Hockey Podcast, fantastic program that he does with Brett Howard. My boy, Downtown Boosie, got a hole-in-one yesterday. Unbelievable. And we were talking about this before we, we started uh, recording. He got a hole-in-one on an aerated green. How the hell does somebody do that? <laughs> he, he, must have, he must have been in one so bad that he like shanked it so hard that it hit one of those freaking aerated holes and just bounced the right way. But uh, good luck, you know. Good, good on him. We got to get out and play some golf pretty, pretty soon.
2: That's uh, that's like playing at Pirates Cove when you're hitting on aerated. Grade. Yeah,
1: right. <laughs> I mean, it's
2: it's just it's a hot mess. But that's awesome, man. That's a that's the dream. That's the dream, right yeah. there. Nothing worse than getting to a par three and going, I'm gonna hit a hole in one, and then you shank it in the woods. Yeah, right. Every <laughs> single freaking time. Um, no, oh, that's yeah. awesome. That's great news about your dad too. Love to hear that. So uh, thank to you know, to everybody.
1: Yeah. Thank you to everybody who's been reaching out, uh, DMing me, um, you know, on the Twitter or Facebook and emails and so on. You guys are amazing and I truly appreciate the support. It helps me and my family get through uh, these tough times. So I, I truly appreciate all of you. Love it. Love to hear it. Um, we got a lot of things to
2: discuss here. A lot of uh, rumors, a little bit of news, um, but a little bit here on what we're watching and what we're not watching. Uh, last night, Vegas took a one nothing series lead with a five two win over Florida. Um, I'm wondering if anybody watched the game. I know I had it on, but I was spent most of the time doom scrolling on my phone. Um, Grace, did you uh, catch any of that game? What were your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I watched it with a friend of mine down here, and um, we—he's a Hurricanes fan, so Ugh. neither not, both of us <laughs> sort of had. It. Yeah, I know. Believe me, I—I I don't. <laughs> You know how I feel about Hurricanes fans. Everybody mm-hmm. knows how I feel about Hurricanes fans. But, um, you know, I thought it was, it was great, I thought, at least, up until the end. And then I was talking to my other friend who's a Panthers fan afterwards, and he was like, it was terrible. They sucked. They got to do better. They got to be better. I thought the game was pretty good up until, like, the end. It kind of felt like the Panthers lost some of their composure because they've been really good at having this controlled lack of composure, but then even they seem to lose that come the end of the game. You know, you saw Kachuk throw a punch while one of the Stahl brothers held back Hague. Um, hit him right in the face, got thrown out four minutes in a game misconduct. Um, Just a stupid, stupid play. Um, But I thought it was a great game up until then. The Knights looked really good. Mark Stone looked great. Um, I'm excited. I think it's going to be an exciting series. I'm still saying Cats in six, but I think the Knights are showing that they have a lot more in them than maybe what they showed in, in a couple of those Dallas games. So I'm excited. It's a good series. I recommend people watch it if you're not too upset still. I am a little bit, but it can be fun. Get a drink, start watching.
1: Yeah. What about you, Mark? Yeah, I watched last night's game. Uh, It was uh, exciting, just to say the least. Um, I didn't think it was going to be like this because of this long ass layoff. Uh, I think the Panthers had a week and a half off, while Vegas had four or five days off um, to rest. So, um, you know, in the first period, I'm like, I really thought that they were going to need to really stretch their legs and figure out the game and you know, try to find some weaknesses, uh, you know, in game one, but um, I was really surprised on the, uh, on the pace. It was fast back and forth. It was very physical. I think I've seen the biggest, the longest uh, face rubs ever in hockey. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was literally like a six minute face washing expose. You know what I mean? It was just, it was crazy. Um, but ultimately that time off might've uh, gotten to the Florida Panthers later on in the game, as Grace uh, alluded to. Um, and they just, they just couldn't ha- hold uh hold back on uh, the Vegas golden, nice pressure pressure. And, uh, and Vegas power play was uh, really spot on special teams was really good too. So uh, I'm still taking, I'm going to go with grace too. I'm going uh, uh, Florida Panthers in six. Uh, this series is far from over, but uh, it's exciting. And, I got to get as much hockey in as possible because as soon as the Stanley cup finals are over, I'm transferring my, my attention to the Australian pro ice hockey league. So (laughs) uh, I got to get as much NHL hockey as possible.
2: Yeah, I, uh, I did watch it. Um, I, I, I gotta be honest. I think that both of these teams, I just absolutely love their style and pace of play. Like, I just think it just, it's just, it makes it fun. It's, it's not like, I mean, I'm sure Grace isn't watching it, but the NBA Finals, like that's a nightmare scenario for the NBA. Just two boring-ass teams that can't shoot. Um, These two teams are a lot of fun to watch. Um, I kind of always forget about the the star, star power on Vegas. I mean, when you're rolling out Marcia so and Stone and Eichel and Riley Smith, even in William Carlson's in your third line, and then you, you know, I, I don't know. Like, I, I have this man crush on Nick Haig. I want that guy on my yeah. team so bad. He's a freaking awesome he's tall he's fast he's in your face you know Shea Theodore Uh, I uh, Mark can probably attest to this every now and then you find these players in the minor leagues that are there for a while and then all of a sudden they have this NHL success and you're like that guy sucked in the minor (laughs) leagues like how is he how is he any good and that's how I feel about Carter Verhage and that's how I feel about Aiden Hill Aiden Hill was (laughs) hot garbage in the AHL couldn't stop a beach ball And yet here he is making ridiculous saves in the uh, Stanley cup finals. That blows my mind.
1: It it turns my mind sideways. Um, I, I said the same thing about Aiden Hill. I'm like, I don't think this guy's the answer for the Vegas golden Knights. And boy, is this backfiring in my face? Well,
2: I mean, you know, Jordan Bennington is another one. He was, even when he was in Providence, I was like, well, this guy's not very good. And then, you know, before you know it, he's winning cups. So um, I thought that was kind of funny watching. uh, I'm just, I'm waiting for Aiden Hill to give up six, seven goals and, and be flopping all over the place. And,
1: and sort of getting the opposite there, so um, fun fun speaking to of this. Speaking of this game, what about the time? I, I gotta get you riled up, Steve 22 minutes past 8 p.m. Boy, did it drive me nuts! And what drove me even further oh, nuts into the planters, freaking um, manufacturing company was the Dungeons and Dragons crap yeah, in the beginning, is. you know what I mean? It's like, uh, that that we. We really don't need that. I think if you minus that, you're going to get down to eight ten, and and you know obviously the uh, introductions need to happen as well. But oh, what a! I mean, from now on for the rest of the series, especially in Vegas, I'm not watching until eight twenty-seven.
2: Yeah, don't bother, <laughs> don't bother. I mean, I get the dog and pony show because just because it is Vegas.
0: I was gonna like, say, yeah.
2: If it was yeah. in Columbus, I'd be like, guys, you're Columbus, Ohio. Like, get yeah. out of here with all the nonsense. But you know, Vegas is. It's you know the show right. Everybody goes for the show and you know however they get people in the building. Although I don't know why it had to be televised. I you know I I can understand that part of it, but
0: the the person I was watching person I was watching with the Canes fan insisted we went and we're getting dinner before and insisted on getting back to watch that specifically. So. Another knock against Canes fans. And also, though, maybe some people are into it. He was like, we got to get back. Yeah. I want to see that. I want to see the, the guy fight the dragon or whatever the hell they're doing in that part. That's like, Slee. Slee that's, like, that's, like
1: somebody, that's like somebody going to the Red Sox game just to listen to uh, Sweet Caroline. Yeah.
2: Oh, God. <laughs> this is the worst kind of Red Sox fans. Oh, God. Um. So yeah, I think it I think it'll be a fun series. I, I like Florida going into it just because I'd watched more of their games and then I watched Vegas last night and I was like, holy smokes man, this team can can freaking ball. So I the other, I just one other thing that is I saw all night on social media was like anytime somebody did something good, it was like, Oh, I bet you wish you didn't put him in the expansion draft. Oh, wish you didn't <laughs> put that guy in the expansion draft. It's like yeah. somebody has to go in the expansion draft. Like every team has to give somebody up. So like beating up on anaheim for giving up shea theodore like that's like how it works guys like hindsight is so easy when you're what four or five years down the line i mean how many years has been vegas been a team four years like well
0: like, 2017 you know, they became a team so what is that that's yeah. six oh, do that. five six years
2: yeah i can't yeah. do that so but um <laughs> yeah enough of that nonsense on twitter that's just a little ridiculous so um yeah one nothing vegas we'll see where this game uh, continues to go the other thing that came out that we were watching and i know i watched it this morning um, was the final episode of Behind the B, which obviously when you lose, well, I guess, or when you win, it's a pretty emotional. Um, I I just hope Bruins fans appreciate having this production. Uh, again, the Columbus Blue Jackets don't have their version of Behind the B. The fact that you have players willing to get mic'd up in Game Seven of a playoff game says a lot about the players. It says a lot about the production. Um, you, know, you got Dennis Leary narrating it. Um, be glad that you have this Bruins fans. Cause there's a lot of teams, a lot of markets that don't have this kind of dedication, but, um, uh, Mark off the top, what are some of your thoughts from that final episode?
1: Wow. What a mixed bags of emotion. I watched it this morning, uh, right before the, uh, we started recording here on episode 333 of the black Girl hockey podcast. And, um, I mean, w- what I gathered from it was just how, tight this club is when when things are going well you know i mean it's it's it was so good to look at but later on it was just um the emotions came out in me and also also my wife courtney uh, when we were watching it as as the, the the bad times uh towards the end of the series came out and it's all on film and you know um i don't know it was just it was a tough one to to watch and and officially end the year of that program and emmy award winning program uh yeah it was just uh man, it's just its it, watching things like that can make the off season even a little longer, you know it's it's you know here we are in the beginning of june and and you know hockey's not gonna come back until at least uh early october, you know with uh you know preseason games and training camp and so on, but still it's just it it makes you really think about how this team's going to be constructed in, in 23, 24 and how different it might look as Don Sweeney alluded to in his uh, last press conference at TD garden. So um, it it should be interesting, but uh, I mean, great production, like you said, Uh, you know, I I love the effort of getting behind the scenes, you know, getting fans into the, these areas where uh, traditionally fans uh, don't go at warrior ice arena or even at TD garden. So, um, I, I love the program. can't wait for it to come back, but hopefully, uh, next season, it kind of ends on better terms. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Grace? Did you catch that thing.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, I, uh, I agree. I think that it's so, at least the, in terms of just it being a production, it being available, I think it speaks so much to, really the commitment of all of the people behind the scenes on the team. And I think it just provides a better fan experience. I think maybe that's a big reason why Bruins fans, and obviously I'm biased because I'm immersed in Bruins fans, but it's just a different vibe and experience being a Bruins fan, feeling so connected, I think, to the team and being able to get this inside look. So I'm so grateful for that. Um, But at the same time, you know, just it's so hard to watch now because like when you're watching those first games of the series and you're feeling like i remember you know we we dropped one and it was like didn't need it who cares it's fine you know we're still best team in the history of the nhl it'll be fine but now looking at it from right here you're seeing all this hope and just knowing exactly where it's going it's like watching a car crash that you know is about to happen but it hasn't happened yet and so it's just hard to uh to do, but I I love being able to see and feel like, you know, we were out here looking in, hurting so much, but you know, the team was hurting so much more and seeing that loss is so devastating. I mean that final that final part when we actually got to see the Marshawn Bergeron hug and you just see Bergeron like fall into Mar it's so so impossible to watch without feeling so much emotion for both of these players for the team and just everything they've done for Boston. So it's a hard watch, um, but, you know, I knew it was going to be a hard watch. I put it off for a little bit. I think a lot of people on Twitter also put it off for a while and just decided to watch when maybe the emotions have settled a little bit. But it was a great episode, obviously a great program. I'm also excited for it to come back, but devastating. Devastating to watch and to remember what what we uh, missed out on, especially now that we're watching the Stanley Cup and it's like, should have been us, you know, that should have been yeah. me. But uh, yeah, so but I was I was very glad that we do it. And so as much as it hurts, but it was a good program.
2: Yeah, I always I have a hard time. uh, Because, uh, you know, I take part in making a lot of videos like that. And I uh, editing and, and, you know, doing that kind of stuff in radio. And the idea is to make people cry. <laughs> <laughs> like when you're when you're doing a uh, you know when you're doing a radiothon and you're putting together vignettes to get people to call in to donate money you want them sobbing into their steering wheel that's that's the goal so that they pick up the phone and, and call and donate money that's the vibe i got from that um and the, yeah the, the production value the music right at the right time um the shots right at the right time uh it's just it's so well done and um you know i i I still, I, I still am not sure. I was hoping I would get more of a personal vibe as to whether I thought Bergeron was coming back next year. And, you know, we, I mean, Martian, well, I love the guy, but he cries every time they lose. So, yeah. like, you know, I, I don't get really anything from that. Um, but, uh, no, great production value, great uh, resource to have as a Bruins fan. Um, the cool thing with those is you don't even have to, like, like a hockey, like, like hockey. Like, you can just watch that as a reality show and get into it, you know? Um, also, if he comes back, we're, I'm going to need more uh, Connor Clifton mic'd up. Um, I love that him. dude, that dude is hilarious. He's got that, that Quinnipiac uh, smack talk uh, to him, which I just love. So, um, but yeah, that was, that was a lot. That was intense. Um, and it, yeah, it sucks that it's over, you know? Um, we have a couple of other things going on roster wise, both on and off the ice, I suppose. Um, uh Elliot Freeman uh, Elliot Friedman, my guy, says that uh Bruins assistant GM and current Providence Bruin GM Evan Gold was interviewed for the vacant GM job in Pittsburgh. Um I, I quite honestly, I don't know if I would want to go work for go work for John Henry. Oh, John <laughs> Henry who just, just <laughs> torpedoes every franchise that he buys. Um, you know, you have an aging Sidney Crosby, uh, you know outside of a guy like Gensel you're not really looking at a ton of depth there and they're picking 14th in the draft so it's not even like you got a top five pick so I don't know how attractive that Pittsburgh job is other than the market and the sweater um uh, but we'll see Mark I don't know if you have any thoughts on, on on what you think is next for Evan Gold or if
1: he'll stick around I mean he's a high commodity in the NHL and there's no doubt um you know, it's the way he uh, massages the cap on a daily basis. It's not by the year, it's by the day. And that was really on point this past season, um, particularly at the beginning of the year when they had to put uh, players like Nick felino and 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 some other folks on on waivers um, just to be cap compliant and so on. But uh, what he the, you know the grind of numbers was a daily thing for him. And I think that other NHL teams out there that are currently looking for a general manager, um, you know, speak, spoke very highly of him. Uh, And I, and I believe that new president of hockey operations, Kyle Dubas of the Pittsburgh Penguins did the interviewing. So that must've been interesting because Kyle Dubas went into Pittsburgh on day one and fired a bunch of people, a bunch of people. And while the new uh, Toronto Maple Leafs GM uh, uh, Brad for Living uh, went around meeting everybody and, and getting to know folks. So uh, way to read the room there, Kyle. Uh, right. <laughs> but um, no, I, I, I think that losing Evan would be a, um, not catastrophic. I know there's this capologists all around there that that know this types of, uh, you know, jobs and numbers and and how to uh, be compliant. Um, but I think that Evan has, uh, has done a great job here and and I'd hate to lose him, but you know, if if there's an opportunity for a a higher role in, in the national hockey league, you got to go for it. You know, I mean, you gotta, you gotta do what's best for you and your family. And, and ultimately that might be something that's a mission to him is to be somebody, uh, of a leader of an organization and, and, you know, obviously report to ownership and so on. But, you know, I mean, uh, it, that's just good resume stuff that he's getting interviews because later on in a year or two uh, other franchises are probably going to reach out as well. Yeah. I, and even I'm, I'm just looking at,
2: at, you know, Jake Gensel's going to come up for a contract. They got Malkin for three more years. Sidney Crosby's at eight, almost $9 million for the next couple of years. Like, ah, it's just the Latang is locked up and I know those are their best players, but like, there's just not a lot of, there's just a lot of blech on that penguins roster. And I would not want to be in charge of it for the next, however long. How about you, Grace? You think, um, does anybody think that, that Gavin Gold should be the next GM here? Oh,
0: really?
1: I wasn't expecting that. Well, I mean, Don Sweeney is, is well liked by ownership. I mean, I think that they, they really take care of their own and the guys that really busted ass as a player, obviously Cam Neely, Don Sweeney and so on. And, um, but I mean, the natural role uh, is in progression is that is, uh, you know, that's the next man up, you know, and if Don Sweeney is, is let go this off season or the next off season, that might uh, pave the way for a guy like Evan gold to come right in uh, seamlessly, you know, knows the organization knows the, um, the clientele that he's currently, you know, working under and continue and can can continue to do his job effectively um it, while still here in Boston but like I said it, I mean these guys are are high commodities around the NHL and everybody is looking for a numbers guy and ha- a guy that's aggressive on making certain moves uh you know to be compliant so I I, I could definitely see him being a, a top candidate if Don Sweeney is uh let go
0: yeah I feel like maybe my my shock and surprise at that was a little more testament to not Evan Gold so much as it is like, I just don't see this organization. I feel like Don, like he's done everything. Mean, he's, is he's, he's, I don't think that I don't ever see them letting go of Don Sweeney in the immediate or soon future. Um, but I do think, I mean, I like Evan Gold. That's not a, a thing. I also would not want to go to Pittsburgh in general, but also just to be a, a, higher up in a hockey organization. Maybe that's just because I don't like the penguins, but I also just think that that's a, I feel like you're sitting on a time bomb that the minute all of these guys are going to age out at the exact same time. And then you lose your whole franchise and you're right. You're not picking young players. You're not getting anybody really significant. I mean, and don't get me wrong. I know that high numbered draft picks can turn out being great, but sometimes it takes years. Sometimes it takes time. And I just don't know if that timeline is going to work out well for them. Um, but, I mean, that's the sort of thing that, you know, real big careers can be made of. If he can go and turn that around or if anybody can go and turn that around and prove me wrong, um, it certainly is a testament to their skills and their ability to adapt to things. So, I don't know. I'm interested to see what happens. I, I – uh, I, hey, I would take I'd, – I'd take Evan Gold over over uh, Don Sweeney.
2: <laughs> Mark, um, I'm
0: just looking at you using the back scratch. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, he loves that thing. It's disgusting, <laughs> That hey, around. give it a pound, give it a pound. <laughs> <laughs> um, one other quick thing on the, on the penguins, um, you know, it's not always directly indicative, but uh, I mean, Wilkes-Barre finished last in their division in the AHL. So it's not even like they got some, you know, a, a, the cabinets full of young prospects down in the A and I know that's not always indicative of the situation, but um yeah, I, I don't know what's going to happen with the Penguins looking long-term, like three or four, five years down the road. I just I don't see a lot of stability there. Um, the other thing to keep in mind with the GM job is what I call them absentee owners, and I, the Jacobs family is not living <laughs> on Causeway Street. I'm still convinced that the, or the post-season game, um, the press conference that they had there, uh, I felt like they were meeting uh, Jim Montgomery for the first time, which they probably were. They might have been. I mean, say what you want about the Celtics, but Wick, the, the guy who came in and bitched out the team was Wick Grosbeck uh, after one of the games. Like, that's an owner <laughs> that gives a crap. Um, I, I, the Jacobs are more interested in finding somebody that they're comfortable with and say, here, you do it. And that's why I think Sweeney and Neely, you know, they, they've been around and they know them and they're like, we, we'll trust you. That's why, they, that's why they fire all their coaches because they're like, they, well, we trust the president and the GM. It's got to be the coach's problem, so let's just fire the coach." That's why I'm worried about Montgomery just because the absentee owners don't know, don't know him from Mark Alred. So, um, <laughs> you know, we got to keep that in mind. It's not exactly, you know, between them and the, and the um, John Henry owning the Red Sox, there's ownership issues in this, in this town that I'm not really a big fan of, but um, it's definitely something to keep in mind here as we, uh, as we go down the pipe uh, looking at some of the players on the roster um, I did hear a report that the Bruins, uh, and Tyler Bertuzzi are, are talking, uh, according to, um, Jay Stu, Jimmy Stewart at the sports hub. Uh, he says that uh, Tyler Bertuzzi is looking for 7 million a year in his next contract. Um, that wouldn't surprise me if I was Todd, Bert- uh, or Todd Bertuzzi, Jesus, Tyler Bertuzzi, I, was, <laughs> I would say the same thing, right? I mean, if you're a free agent and you know that it's kind of slim pickings there for his position. I'd be trying to max out my value, too. Um, Grace, is $7 million too much for Tyler Bertuzzi?
0: I don't think it is. And I also think that that's just good. I mean, on him and his agent's part, I, I think that that's – you're right. It's, it's slim pickings for his position and also I think a lot of teams – obviously, we watched him perform so well in the playoffs, but I, I think there are teams that are focused on other things and not really – um, appreciating how significant of a difference he made in our series. Um, and I think that, like, you know that this team wants to keep you. You know that this team is fighting to keep you and that you have a lot of power then. And, and I, he obviously is aware of the cap situation. He knows what the Bruins are working with, but he also knows his own value. So I I don't think it's too much. I, I think that it's totally reasonable. Do I love it because I, I'm worried we can't make it happen? Of course. But I also think that it's just phenomenal recognition of his own talent and appreciating that you know you're on a team that clearly was very good with you or without you and got even better with you. Um but I do think he you know if I were him I would want to stay. I'm biased obviously because I've lived in both Detroit and in uh the Boston area. Well I guess I've never lived Jesus in Boston Christ. but what?
2: You're <laughs> everywhere. All over the map. Yeah you
0: are. <laughs> um but I uh I just think that you know there's really no there's no player like him that at least we're looking at right now so I don't know I'm I'm still on the train of I'm willing to do a lot to make it happen I'm willing to give people up for Tyler Bertuzzi which if you had asked me a year ago I never would have said I didn't like him that much when you know I was sitting watching him not do as well as I wanted him to on the Red Wings because I was trying to be entertained at the games but um, I think that I think that I think he's really valuable to us. He's valuable to me, and so I—I I don't know. There's a lot that I'm willing to do, and I'm not—I don't want to get everybody angry at me on Twitter about who I'm willing to give up for Tyler Bertuzzi, but I'm certainly willing to give up a lot. So I think at seven million, that's reasonable. I really do.
2: Yeah, the only thing that that concerns me, and this is this is going to be a gripe with me for for a long time, is this wonderful stupid ass state that we live in. Where you people, you people, not me, you people, voted for a millionaire's tax. So now everybody, right out of the legislature. And again, I don't mean to get too nerdy with this, but a new four percent, a four percent tax on state residents with annual income over one million dollars, combined with the state's ex- ex- existing tax, it raises the top tax ratio to nine percent. So if you make a million dollars, they're taking nine percent off the top. This is why you're not going to get Tyler Bertuzzi for seven million. This is why you're not going to get Jalen Brown for 250 million Celtics fans because why would they want 9% of their income taken right off the top when they can go play in Florida, Texas, Columbus, Ohio? They can go play these other places and actually get the money that they've earned. So I assume that the people who voted for this stupid ass piece of legislature are not sports fans or they're just clueless and don't freaking get it. So I. I, I don't mean to rant and rave about that, but what a bunch of freaking morons you are just because you're jealous of other people's millions of dollars.
0: It is um, true. That that's, that's going to be an issue uh, going forward. I couldn't care less about the Jalen Brown thing, but Tyler Bertuzzi, I can see that taking a taking up issue with that. So well, and,
2: and <laughs> hockey players don't make the money that the NBA players do or the NFL true. players do. True. So, so $7 million to, to an NBA players. It's like, you're like your seventh guy off the bench yeah um seven million dollars to a hockey player is a lot of money and now you're going to take that off the top oh that would piss me off i can't even do that i'm so dumb i can't even do the math as to how much (laughs) nine percent of seven million dollars is i tried to do it three times and i don't think any of those numbers i came up with in the calculator are (laughs) correct
0: it's got to be um, 600 thousands
2: yeah so i mean just taking that right off the top which is which is bullshit. bullshit so thank you to the people of massachusetts mark um Put that aside, Is uh, what do you think is a fair number for Bertuzzi?
1: Well, I mean, if you're looking at the open market, $7 million is a very, very v- fair value for a player like him. I mean, I think he's 28, 29 years old. He's going for a contract that's probably going to bring him, um, you know, 37, 38, 36 maybe. Um, we'll see what happens with that. But um, in my opinion, I think that, Teams that have the cap space are going to go after Tyler Batuzzi. And and unfortunately, I think that list is going to be if he tests the free agent market, of course. But I think that list is going to primarily be lower ranked teams that have the cap space. And, and I'm, I'm not picking out just one team, but uh, one team that comes to mind is Arizona. Tons of cap space can throw tons of money at a guy like Tyler Batuzzi. If he wants that money, then he can go for it. You know what I mean, but if he wants to be with a competitive team, he's got to come down uh, on that price—a uh, little bit of a team-friendly deal. Uh, if he wants to be with a competitor, unless uh, unless that, it's just uh, he's just banking for his future uh, post hockey because um, I don't see any of the the higher echelon teams um, offering him big money because they're also next to the freaking, you know, ceiling of the cap. So it's going to be interesting on the path that goes, um, you know, with this whole scenario of, of trying to retain him. And also I do not want to dovetail on this whole topic is um, there was another uh, 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 report from uh, James Stewart, I believe from 985 saying that the Bruins are exploring an option to shop or deal a defenseman like Hampus Lindholm to create those funds um for Petruzzi to stay so I don't I really don't know where we're gonna where we're going with that I don't think it's a great idea to get rid of a a, a, of a defenseman like Lindholm I think that you need him moving forward he's got seven more years on his contract I'm not sure about the the no movement no trade details uh where you know his list would bring him but um I think if you're going to shed money you got to do it with with players like Grizzlick, Forbert, and Riley. I mean, if you can get rid of if you can feasibly get rid of all those players, it's 9 million dollars right there minus the 4.5 that you're already in the hole for, so now you're right around 5 million dollars in cap space for with a list of freaking UFAs and RFA's to deal with.
0: Yeah. That's fair. I was just going to say I think that that the uh, uh I think you're right, if you want to shed money, sure those guys on the on the defensive end but A lot of it's going to have to come with the... You have a lot of centers. You have... Well, that's me wishful thinking that Krejci and Bergeron are coming back. But you have a lot of centers. You have quite a few wings. And especially with Orloff leaving, I don't know how much... How many good defensemen you can be willing to part with. And at this point, Lindholm probably still sits at two or three in terms of our best defensemen. So, I don't know. I don't know that I love that. Like I said, I'd give a lot for Bertuzzi. I don't know if that's what I would give.
2: Mark, I, I, I'm just curious why you're so—I don't put words in your mouth—but you're so married to a guy like Lindholm. Because um, I mean, I, I don't know. I look at a team like Florida, and they made it to the—they're in the finals with Mark Stahl and Radko Gudas. And I know like, and, you know, Aaron Eckblad, to me he's paid all their money. He's their best defenseman. I don't think he's a top 15 defenseman in the league. So like, I—you already have McAvoy running the show. You know, you can get this far with the Connor Cliftons and Derek Forberts, and those guys aren't seven-year, you know, six million-dollar guys. So, I, I I don't know. I just feel like replacing defensemen, defensemen's like four, five, and six on your roster are easier to fill cheaply
1: than the bottom half of your of your forward lines. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, and and it's a fair fair point. Absolutely fair point. I know Lindholm, um, you know, has has had. Good regular seasons uh, since he's been here, and not so good playoff seasons, uh, and that's due to um, to injuries and so on. Um, but I I understand what you're saying, but I still think that a, a player like Lindholm has more to offer, and I I just don't think that this is the appropriate time to think about moving him. Maybe after next year, if he has another bad playoff, if if the Bruins get in, of course um maybe that's a t- uh, the next off season is a time to think about shedding further salary and, and possibly moving him but i <clears throat> i want to give the player the benefit of the doubt of getting here i mean we paid a, a pretty heavy price to get him a first round pick you know i just don't want to see um you know him uh him moved uh, quite yet i think he like i said i think he has a little more to offer but that remains to be seen Interesting. Yeah, no, I Um, it's funny,
2: I'm looking at the I'm trying not to turn this into a into an offseason of NHL 23 on the Xbox. But you know, I'm just looking through the the defensive free agents. And I'm like, I'll take any of these guys, you know, and again, not to play top four minutes, maybe necessarily. But you know, there there is a lot, I feel like there's a lot more defensive talent out there in the free agent market than there is the forward position um
0: what do you mean what do you mean luchich is a is a free agent <laughs> oh, Jesus.
2: here we go we're not, we're not going down that road again <laughs> We're not talking about usda certified beef again um, Boing. <laughs> so um so we'll keep our eye out on that um the, the bertuzzi stuff oh one other thing i wanted to throw in here real quick while we're talking about bertuzzi i saw a report um and i didn't put this in the agenda and i apologize um but I saw a report that uh, Washington is looking to move on from Anthony Mantha, and they might actually buy him out. Um, would you guys, either of you, do Anthony Mantha on a one-year prove-it deal if you don't get a guy like Bertuzzi?
0: I actually really like Anthony Mantha. I do too. That's sort of a, sort of a uh, thing that's a niche appreciation, but I really like him. I personally would not be angry at all about that. Um, I have consistently in the sense i've loved like i've sort of hated but loved him i've been like i feel like every game i play against him i'm like oh god damn it anthony mantha what are you doing and so i i, I don't know it's a, it's a it's an appreciation i have for him so i personally i'd be totally cool with it especially if it, if he comes at a good price um which i think he would if we're comparing him to what tyler Bertuzzi could come for um but yeah i also saw that and that gave me a little a little tingle of excitement i was i was ready to to see where that could lead i don't know
2: we got more tingles going on here. Mark. I know,
0: yeah. I feel like I've sounded like Steve. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, six, six foot four, almost 200 pounds. What do you think, Mark? Would you take a flyer on that guy?
1: I would, but I'm also, I, I, I really want to credit uh, Andrew Johnson from uh, the Short Shift podcast, a fantastic program on the Black and Gold Productions uh, uh, podcast network. Um, he said that he would also take a flyer on Anthony Amantha, but on a PTO. So let's uh, a PTO would get him here, get him into the Warrior Ice Arena, train with the guys and so on, and and possibly get some preseason games to see how he adjusts um, and to see if he can get back to some of that offense that kind of has slipped away over the years. And and, which is probably the reason why, um, you know, Detroit lost lost um, touch with him and traded him to Washington and now Washington kind of basically just wants to move on uh, from his in, in uh, he's not, you know, productive and so on. But if he wants to like kind of re- revitalize his contract, uh, his, um, his career, I think that a PTO and show me anywhere in the NHL, it doesn't have to be the Boston um, would probably benefit him if he wants to really work hard and so on, but he might even come at a lower cap hit as well um but you know if if the cap works out and evan gold can can massage it the way that he's done in the past i think that things could work out and he's a big grindy forward that uh you know is good along the boards And, and i think that those offensive capabilities that we saw as a younger player could possibly come back in a on a team like boston with with their creativity and so on but i mean obviously it remains to be seen we're just like you know, throwing uh shit against the fan and seeing if it sticks here. But you know, I mean he's not a bad project to work on, but he's just gonna mm. come at a at a decent price. Interesting. Well we'll uh we'll see. We got unfortunately a long off season
2: to uh think about it and um we do have more coming up but first I wanted to uh shout out to our friends at FanDuel.com. You can make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs, the NBA finals right now. New customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. It's $1,000 back in Bonut's bet if your first bet doesn't win. Uh, I am uh, once again taking the heat in six because last time I came so close to it. I know Mark's got some odds. Uh, We'll do those maybe sort of after the read there, Mark. Um, But uh, definitely the place to go. There's no better place to bet in all the playoff action than America's number one sports book. You can visit FanDuel.com slash Boston to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash Fanduel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21-plus in select states. First online real money wager only, a $10 deposit required. Refund is issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash Sportsbook. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under new agreement with the Kansas Star Casino LLC. If you have a gambling problem, you can call 1 800 Gambler or visit fanduel.com slash RG. 1 uh, 800 Next Step or the Next Step to, or you can text Next Step to 53342 in the great state of Arizona, 1 888 789 7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut one 800 9 with it. That's W-I-T-H-I-T in Indiana. one 800 522 4700 Or visit KSGamblingHelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-stop in L- in uh, Louisiana. Uh, G- Gambling Help. Uh, sorry, helpline ma.org here in Massachusetts, or you can call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support here in the Bay State. You can visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland or over in New York, 1-877-8-HOPE-NY. That's 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. in Wyoming or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia. Thanks to our friends at FanDuel. And uh, before we get to the odds, Mark, can I do uh, Action Electronics a little bit? Talk about our friends here at Action. Uh, For over 30 years, Action Electronics, a Walpole Massachusetts company, has been the leading source of value-added, time-saving supply chain solutions. You can visit them online at ActionElectronics.com. and give them a call as well. 508-668-3131. 508-668-3131. Follow the company's social media accounts. A lot going on over there. Their Facebook is Action Electronics. On Twitter, they are at AE Supply Chain On Instagram, Action Electronics. They also have a YouTube channel as well, worth checking out at Action Electronics TV. So big thank you to our friends at Action Electronics for supporting everything we do here at the B and G network
1: absolutely um the uh, talking about fan duel if anybody wants to get into next year's the 2023-24 Stanley Cup odds they're out right now even though that the, the 2023 Stanley Cup's going on right now their odds for next year i have been out so they have the Colorado Avalanche as a favorite to win next year's um cup and that's a plus 800 so decent value on that. You drop five, you can get win some uh, decent money. Toronto Maple Leafs at plus eleven hundred. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers plus eleven hundred. The New Jersey Devils plus thirteen hundred. Our own Boston Bruins plus thirteen hundred. And the Carolina Hurricanes, Grace's favorite team, uh, at a plus thirteen hundred. So um, if you want to get in uh, now, uh, you know you can wait a whole friggin' year. Uh, That might benefit you later on, but a small investment could turn out big. Now, they they didn't,
2: oh, sorry, real quick. They didn't include Florida or Vegas. They're further down. They have to
1: wait. They're further down in the list, but I just wanted to mention the top uh, one, two, three, four. It's weird that they don't have
2: either team coming back to the finals. That's in the finals this year, but strange. Sorry, Grace. What were you saying?
0: I was just going to say, I mean, hey, early bets sometimes almost pay off i know i think i've said it on the show before after one game in the bruins season i was confident and felt blind faith and decided to bet them stanley cup at like plus 2100 at that point because it was when everybody was saying they might be a wild card team so hey getting in early i'm gonna have to go and take a look at these odds because it's uh sometimes it pays off like who would have thought we would have had the season we had as the bruins you never know
1: So as of right now, the two teams that are in this year's Stanley Cup Finals, the Vegas Golden Knights, they're at plus 13 uh, if they win to repeat next year. And also the Florida Panthers, if they were to win this year and repeat next year, they're at plus 2,000. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Get in on that just for fun. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) Interesting. Well, uh, definitely
2: something to look into. And again, if you go to fanduel.com slash Boston, you can take a look at all that stuff and make yourself a good chunk of change. speaking of a good chunk of change, commissioner Gary Bettman said the NHL salary cap is not going above $1 million in advance this summer. Um, not good news, obviously for the Bruins. Uh, you know, I, I still, I don't know. I watch these broadcasts and I'm like, this is what we're spending money on. I mean, ESPN does not give a shit about your sport. Um, and then you wonder why we have no money, why we can't pay our players. So, um, is he just super cheap or a bad businessman? It's gotta be one or the other, right, Mark?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a multi-factor um, question there, Steve. Uh, I really don't have an answer for all of them, but uh, I will say that the, the, Bally sports bankruptcy filing really put a, um, a hamper on future plans of this um, of this league and, and how the salary cap works. Um, but I'm also thinking about what Ty Anderson tweeted out last night after he heard about the, uh, the, uh, the cap not going above a million. And he mentioned this. Uh, new TV deals, ads on helmets, ads on jerseys, digital ads, expansion teams among top revenue generators, debt almost fully paid off. And yet cap is rising 1.35 league minimum players a bit silly.
2: No kidding, I have
1: to. I, I have to agree with him. 985 uh, sports, uh, Ty Anderson, fantastic writer over there. Sure is. Uh, one of the very few that, that is passionate about hockey on that station. Um, you know, and kind of nailed it. You know, I mean, all these things are happening, but still the cap's not going up, and I don't understand why. Um, it, it just doesn't make much sense at all, especially, uh, you know, players escrow and this and that and CBA I know that's not coming up anytime soon, but it's going to be coming up sooner rather than later. Uh, and, and new TV deals need to be done uh, appropriately. I think the ba- the Bally Sports, I don't think that was vetted properly, in my opinion. Um, I think that was uh, – they saw a chunk of money. Uh, the NHL bit right on it, and, and ultimately it, it crashed in their face. Um, but this is also going to open up the avenue. I know we talked about this months and months ago, Steve. Um, before grace joins us but this is going to open up an avenue for another revenue generating service where every team in the nhl whether it be 38 by then um, will have their own streaming service no more blackouts you can watch around the world it doesn't matter where you are and and the team the organization will benefit from that they'll uh, derive their own sponsorships and so on and that will increase money as well. I mean if that happens, I'm hearing that the cap could easily jump up to close to a hundred million dollars you know and and yeah and and it just makes sense because i I cannot stand seeing on Twitter that somebody in Vermont is blocked out because they can't they're not in in the market, so this would eliminate a lot of that that unbelievable crap that's happening in our sport fans fans ultimately get screwed you know uh by by these networks and i I think that if the team goes to an individual source of streaming i think it's just gonna be better all around i think that revenues will go up and also the fandom around the world will also uh get picked up which also increases more revenue as well
0: yeah i was i was gonna say that um i uh I don't know. I don't know that there's a better testament. I was when I was watching yesterday. I don't know if anybody saw within the first um, like few minutes if y'all saw a uh, like a pe- like a part of the I don't know. They were in like the press the box where they do the the TNT does their like interview person talking whatever. Like a little piece of foam that's on the side of the glass fell off into the onto the ice and was really like kind of right in the play. The person and I that I was watching with, we both thought like it was. Oh, it's just another part of one of those digital ads that got messed up, you know. But it was actually something on the ice. But we were sitting there wondering what this was, and everything we think is a part of the digital ads now, and yet it's not paying off. Like, are you telling me, or those the ugliness of the? I don't know if y'all saw on the jerseys of the the letter and the um, Stanley Cup patch to make room for the ad on the other side of the jerseys. You're telling me that we that we are still you know, for, for more or less stagnant in terms of space and ability to uh, increase <laughs> cap. Obviously, pissy about it as a Bruins fan especially, but I don't know. I think it's ridiculous. I I have always sort of been anti all of the, the digital ads and stuff. I get it, and it, I think it's important. But if there's no payoff for doing it, and it's just there at this point to piss me off, like, get rid of it. I don't want it anymore. <laughs> Stop yeah, the putting point? the moving ads on the boards. I don't want them. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I, I think this league has already is is already um, like you said, the fan is screwed and, and I don't know I mean I look at the people that are at these game at these Bruins games, they're not regular people because they can't afford to go to these games. And and you know when I was there announcing the, the people down the Jumbotron were, were guys who men, white men who just got off of their job in the back bay, paying them zillions of dollars. They went to the pro shop, they bought a jersey, they put it over their collared shirt you know with the cuff links pulled with the cuffs pulled up and they those are the people that can afford to go to these games uh, a jersey itself yeah and drink you know pinkies out um you want a brad marsh jersey it's going to cost you 250 dollars so the fan can't go to the game the fan can't support the game all they can do is watch it like mark said some of them can't even do that and when we watch it we just get ads shoved down our throat and now you're telling me you can't make any money i, I just i don't It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I mean, I understand the Bally's thing, which, again, I always thought was a fitness gym. I didn't realize Bally's was a – join Bally Bally Total Fitness. I always thought maybe that was a 90s thing. I don't know. Um, It was really weird. I was like, why is everyone getting, like, workout machines? What is this Bally's? (laughs)
1: Um, uh,
2: But it is – it's frustrating. It's frustrating as a fan. It's got to be frustrating as a player. Um, I mean, again, Matthew Tuchuk going to to watch the Miami Heat play, knowing that, uh, you know – Cody Zeller coming off the bench is making the same money as he is playing four minutes a night. That's gotta be so freaking annoying for these players. So, um, and maybe that's the reason why some of them are skipping town, for instance, transition, a guy that, uh, I really liked, uh, in Providence, Kai Visman defenseman looked like a little mini is Seidenberg, uh, has decided that he's leaving. He's going back to, uh, to Germany to join his team there. um, there has been a little bit of movement. Uh, the Bruins did sign a uh, 21-year-old Owen Peterson to a two-year contract, 6'3", 205 pounds forward, um, uh, played out in the, what was that, the OHL, the QHL, QMJHL? The WHL. The, 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 the one I didn't mention. The one you did not <laughs> say. <laughs> the no. WHL. <laughs> w- <laughs> w- <laughs> um, you know, we talked last week about these are going to be the kind of players that when you don't have any draft picks, you know, and they they, they whiffed on uh, Manti Keevey, They didn't sign that kid. So is this going to be sort of how they're going to acquire talent over the next couple of years, Mark? And what can you tell us about Owen Peterson? I don't know much about him.
1: Yeah, I don't know much about him either. I mean, I watched some video and so on when the the signing happened. Um, He spent five years with the Winnipeg Ice in the WHL. Uh, In that time frame, he had 94 goals, 111 assists, 205 points in 237 games played. So some decent numbers. Um, last two years of the postseason hockey in the WHL, he posted 13 goals, 19 assists, 32 points and 33 uh, playoff games. So, um, I mean, he he can be a gamer and so on, but there's there's certain aspects of his game that need to be uh, um, worked on and, and developed, um, and that's why he's getting an AHL only deal. Uh, this is like a show me kind of kind of contract. Um, it's not an NHL contract, so. Um, you know, I, I I know people look at the size and the weight and so on. And, and they say, let's get them up here as soon as possible. And there's other people out there, the ass hats that say, get the duck boats ready. You know, um, they don't understand those folks don't just don't understand that you, you need in your AHL and your ECHL rosters, you need to be, you need to fill them. You know, not everybody is so many people have the NHL blinders on and they don't pay attention to the minor pros, which is kind of frustrating to me. Um, and, and why people just say, why bother with a kid at an AHL-only contract? It's not worth it. But uh, the Boston Bruins uh, see something in this player. And like I said, he's a big kid and so on. This might be the type of player that replaces a current Justin Brazzau, um on the roster. He's a big kid too um, and played very well for the, um, uh, the battalion up in the OHL at, at, in an overage year um, and signed as a free agent. So I don't know if he's coming back. If he is, great. We're going to have two big forwards on the on this in this lineup for Providence next season. But uh, just a, it's a work in progress, and so on. Much like uh, Luke Toporowski, you know he's still unsigned uh, to an NHL contract, so any NHL team can come in and, and give him an offer, and and the Bruins can match. But still, um, you know you got to make these additions to fill out the roster down in Providence. Um, speaking of Kai Visman, a 26 year old defenseman, uh, big kid, six, 207 pounds posted one goal, eight assists, nine points uh, with Providence last season, 31 games, um, was injured a lot. Didn't really get in the lineup. I thought that his first, uh, professional season as a Bruins prospect, he only signed a one year entry-level contract out of, uh, the DEL in Germany, um, his first, uh, his first half of the season was basically adjusting to the North American game. The second half, I started to think he was getting it, but he wasn't completely getting it, and uh, which ultimately started the rumors back in, I think, February that he was going to sign w- over in the DEL back with his uh, uh Bears, I think. Um, and they also got um, uh, the Providence Bruins also traded uh, for a player, a forward, a 31-year-old forward. Uh, Vincent Arsenault, uh, he is 6'2", 220 pounds, a Quebec native who posted seven goals, three assists, 10 points in 35 games last season for the AH, uh, the NHL Canucks minor pro affiliate, the Abbotsford Canucks. Um, and this move, for me, particularly addresses the need for physicality and an intimidating factor um, on the ice because, in my opinion, and Steve, I think you have uh, can agree on this, that the Providence Bruins were talented and the best team in the American Hockey League um, Eastern Conference, they were also pushed around. And a lot of uh, minor pro teams, the opposing uh, clubs, were targeting, um, you know, well-talented players. More particularly, I'm just going to gravitate to the one-and-done playoff um, of the Providence Bruins this year against the Hartford Wolfpack. Uh, There were several players that went after, like Fabian Lysel, to get under his skin and so on. And ultimately uh, a high hit was given and LaSalle was out of the uh, uh, playoffs with a concussion. So I think this addresses a certain need for physicality and intimidation. Uh, also, it's not – also it's uh, well known that um, the, uh, Vincent Arsenal has played for Ryan Muginal when Muginal was out in the San Jose Sharks organization with the San Jose Barracuda and even dating back to when the Worcester Sharks – uh, were in Massachusetts. So um, not many games between – I think it was 10 games that Moujonelle had him uh, on the bench. But still, in those 10 games, you still get to see a character, how much of an impact this type of player can be. Um, and, uh, you know, if liberties are taken, this is the type of guy that can get off the bench and, uh, and stir some shit up. So uh, look at his fight videos. He's a big man. He's, he's, I wrote an article about him on blackandgoldhot.com. Uh, uh, go check that out because I I listed a bunch of YouTube videos with his fights and some interviews and so on. Um, you know, it's not it's not a move that's gonna you know call the cup success, but it's gonna address a certain need that I think Ryan Mutchin, now Matt Thomas, and Trent Ritfield were really looking for last season in protecting some of these younger prospects.
2: Yeah, and even even you know having I just think the veteran leadership too. I think you always need somebody. I was like you got to have one guy thirty years or older to to really get these kids going and and um you know Vinny Latari is extremely talented and I think he's a really good leader but he's also you know what like 57 five, 58 five, I mean he's not a big dude so like and he's scrappy I mean he'll go but he's he's not this big physical presence I remember Arsenal from when the they were the Utica Comets yep. uh, uh organization and yeah that guy that guy could that guy could hit he hits loud you know what I mean oh, yeah. um so um, no, I think that'll be good. That'll be good to balance out what they have down there. Cause they do, they have a lot of speed and a lot of youth. Now you got some size and some age. So, yep. um, um, good news there. And I guess one more, uh, roster related thing is that, uh, defenseman, Dmitry Orlov recently mentioned to a Russian outlet sport express, uh, saying he's really looking forward to when the free agent market opens. Um, again, I think kind of just like Bertuzzi, Make it only takes one stupid team to way overpay you. It only takes one dumb GM to throw way too much money at a player. Um, I think Orlov's going to be one of those guys.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I have a quote from that um, that outlet in uh, Russia uh, where uh, Dmitry Orlov said that he's excited about uh, the offseason. And he says, This hasn't happened to me. I won't say that it's uh, scary. But I really look forward to when the market opens, negotiations begin. However, nothing is happening right now. Until July 1st, I belong to Boston. So until that time, I can only sign a new contract with them. But in a month, everything will change. Of course, I would like a long contract to give stability and peace of mind. But there are many nuances. You can't take everything into account. Uh, this uh, uh, major credit has to go to prohockeyrumors.com for getting uh, the information on this um, from this uh, Russian outlet. And also for the credit to sport express uh, who originally wrote the Arctic and Jimmy Murphy of the Boston hockey now website who basically got me involved in, in, getting this topic on the agenda. So shout out to those guys.
2: Yeah. Grace Sounds like a guy who's gone, huh?
0: Yeah. I think that's the best way to put it. I am um, a little surprised you know, I think right after the season ended, everybody sort of had this idea. Oh, he's going back to Washington. That's where he wanted to be. That's what he wanted to do. Um, but I don't know. I saw a few people on Twitter and Instagram. I don't remember who or even if they were reliable sources, but saying that there was some not bad blood, but some anger, frustration, which I'm sure there would be um, on Orlov's part towards the Capitals. And this idea that he, you know, he wanted to retire there. He wanted to stay there. And they sort of just obviously, I mean, that's business. I get it. Um, but so I don't know if that maybe has an impact on it. I thought he was going to be full in on, I want to go back to Washington. I'll do what I have to do to go back to Washington, but I think you're right. I think he's somebody that could get, I don't think he, I wouldn't pay him as much as I think he's going to get. Um, but I think he knows that somebody out there is going to pay a lot for him. So I think that's where that sort of sentiment comes from. It surprised me a little bit that it wasn't, he was very overt about it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm boss, I'm playing for Boston until July 1st hits. But I don't know. It's, it's, I'm not, my heart's not broken. I'm okay with it. He did what he had to do here. I appreciated it. But I, you know, he's not, he's the third on my list in terms of the, you know, the people we got at the trade deadline, third on my list of people that I want to keep. And I also think he could end up being way more expensive than he's worth. Whereas I think that Hathaway and Bertuzzi, what we could possibly pay them. And what I think that, we should pay them is pretty much exactly what they're worth. And I, I, I'm just not willing to shell that out for a guy like Orlov.
2: Yeah. Orlov doesn't to me scream uh, like all about winning. Um, and that doesn't mean that he took shifts off or anything like that. I just don't think that he, I think he would be perfectly content going to a place that will give him a seven year deal, a place that needs to have money on the books. Cause they're the opposite of the Bruins. They need as much salary on the books as they can. And, hey, if it's sunny and beautiful all the time, that's not bad either. So, I mean, I I, I would imagine he wants to get as far away from Boston and Washington as he can, and the, I see no reason why teams like Anaheim or Arizona wouldn't be throwing seven-year deals at this guy. So, so, I think he would be perfectly content going to Anaheim, missing the playoffs every year, making his money, flying back to Modo Rocha. And and just going about his business for the next seven or so years of his life. Yeah,
0: I yeah. think I think I think Anaheim, Anaheim you needs a guy like him too. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if that is even the team that he ends up going to. I think that they need a defenseman who's older. They've got Drysdale coming up the, the pipeline there, but I think needing an older, bigger, stronger defenseman they want. So I could see him doing that for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we talked about last, last week on, on AFP analytics put out on their website or the spreadsheet. That uh he could be looking at six, six years extension um worth uh above six million dollars, I honestly think that with the cap crunch right now and we're trying to you know try to keep players like Todd bertuzzi like like grace said
0: did wait, grace wait, wait. Make- did you, did you did you just say Todd bertuzzi
1: I did I keep doing <laughs> that. <laughs> You get,
0: I'm not making I that know. mistake. I, I think it's because I didn't really watch Todd for years. No, the, the, I, Todd, the Todd Tyler. Thing. No, because you
1: lived in Detroit.
2: <laughs> yeah, the Todd Tyler thing is a, is a communicable disease. And I think I just <laughs> passed it to you is
1: what happened.
0: But anyway, so yeah, so while we're trying to keep him, go ahead, Mark.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I just don't see that happening. And to be honest with you, as much as I really want it to happen, the cap space just to me doesn't say it's going to happen. Um, and it, like, you know, if he, if he can't find a home that wants to pay him that, that money and, and and particularly the last contract of his of his NHL career, like like Steve said, there's always tax free money over in Russia. Get it in a bag at a restaurant, slid under the table, and uh, you know you go about your business uh, from home. But still, I, I it's, like I said, if we had the room, I wouldn't mind retaining the player. But we're cap strapped. It's going to be very hard to to retain a lot of the guys that we had last year that got us to the the first round and an exit. In Russia, you don't make money. Money makes you.
2: <laughs> take the gun That's and leave the cannoli is what's going to happen with that, that, that guy. Um, so there you go. Uh, lastly, on the agenda today, uh, our listener, Darren Gill from the UK. All right. Um, sent an email question about how the Bruins – well, uh, I guess we can get to it. Do you have the email uh, pulled up there, Mark?
1: I do, do not. I just, thought, I just thought that we would uh, just talk about it. I didn't um, take a screenshot of that, okay. but – uh, Darren Gill, a longtime friend of mine and longtime BNG supporter from over where the original birthplace of the Stanley Cup was, um, uh, sent in an email and talking about the, uh, the the massive failure in the in the first round and so on, and how that the Boston Bruins should hire a sports psychologist. Now, I looked into this um, this morning as I was getting the agenda ready. And looked at the uh, the club directory, and I didn't see any uh, sports psychologists on there. But what I want to like add to um, Darren's question is, I think that stuff like that um uh, is relied on the personal uh, player himself uh, getting if he wants to talk to somebody. You know, I think that's on them. You know, how Jeremy Swayman's got a whole team of of uh, of you know professional people that uh, you know travel with him all the time i'm not saying they travel with him but they're always nearby to talk and so on um i don't know about a, an internal uh sports psychologist i mean would it would it be beneficial it might and so on but um i don't know it's an interesting question but he also brings up because he's a big cyclist guy that a certain psychologist over in europe uh was working with several psych uh, guys that ride the bike on, on like tour de France and so on and and like this one person really turned around their careers and their workouts and you know how they go about a race and in everyday life and was constantly with them so um I mean it's not a bad question it's not a bad idea but I just don't I don't know how how useful that would be um especially on a uh on a salary that's paid by the Jacobs I don't think that that's something that's probably going to be, it's, it's not, you know, it doesn't go against the cap or anything like that, but you know, you know, how cheap Jeremy Jacobs is. So. I sure yeah. do firsthand. What about you, Grace?
0: <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, um I don't know. I think a lot of teams nowadays, the reason why it might not show up on any website, I think a lot of teams nowadays contract out or you're right. They leave it to the um, personal player, but um, you know, I think if it's something that like we can, if it's something that players want, I'm sort of all for the, you know, is this something that players is going to make players feel more supported or feel like they're getting whatever they need? Like if players are for it, I'm like, I I think that it's worth it. I think anything the players are, you know, that will help the players feel more secure, supported, confident, whatever I'm all for. I think every little bit helps. Um, But I also recognize, I think you're right. I think a lot of players, it's a, you know, a personal thing if they want to go, it's not like they're not available to them. It's not like the options aren't out there. Um, But, you know, being able to have it you know on hand maybe it would just help enough like I said like a lot of teams contract out so being able to say like we have this available resource use it if you want um but I don't think it is a bad idea I think I think it's I don't know a ton about sports psychology um it's not really my uh my forte but I mean you know all sorts of psychology helps all sorts of people so I think that who knows it could be it could be the the missing piece that somebody needs um but there's certainly a A market for it and so I don't know but I hadn't even considered it until um till when I saw it on the agenda and we were talking about it so um I think that's something really interesting so
2: yeah I think I think the people I think the players that want to talk would like to talk about it probably already have a psychologist or a therapist and the ones who don't don't you know what I mean I think they kind of let like like you guys say it said let, let them do their own thing and it's amazing how many times you hear like especially in baseball like all the uh they think it's going to be a lower fracture of the ankle but they're getting a second opinion right they always get a second opinion from another doctor and it's because they don't they they have their own means of doing different things so i I, that like i said i think the people that want to talk about it have their own guru and those who don't you know they talk to their you know jake debrus got a, a dad who played in the league i'm sure he's got a lot of value there and you know the support staff, family, friends, wives, girlfriends, you know, um, that probably goes a long way too. Sometimes it's just, uh, you know, a week out in Bali that gets your mind, right. You know, sometimes that's all it takes. So, uh, but it's a good question, Darren. We appreciate you uh, writing in. And again, if if anybody has any questions, thoughts, uh, concerns, you can always hit us up on our listener hotline, 978-504-2727. You can always catch Grace Mark or I on uh, on Twitter and social media hashtag ask B and G uh, our handles are right there on the screen uh, so you can hit us up that way and uh, since it is the first uh, episode of a new month mark uh, I believe we have uh, a, a different jersey to give away by the end of this month not today but at the end of the month is that correct
1: yeah we do but I, I just want to I, I know I didn't put this in the agenda and I apologize but we do have a question from our Facebook um group black and gold Ooh. hockey podcast on facebook and uh i love this name jeff, jeff mo'chillin'. mochillin yeah <laughs> he says if bergeron comes back that means the mindset is winning a cup again correct uh, question mark if so does that make sense to use the youth that we have could make uh the jump lauco beecher steen mclaughlin etc or do they shore up the bottom six with some budget league minimum to 2 million experienced veteran type guys for a hopeful deep run? If Bergeron retires, do they start the uh, rebuild retool depending on their standing placement come trade deadline? Thanks for all the work you do. Go bees. Just ah. no chillin. I um it. Real quick. I, I think uh, the
2: hardest part's the money. Like it's not like, if Bergeron stays, you can go out and be like, okay, cool. Let's go get, you know, let's go get some high, high touted, you know, expensive guy. You can't really do that. Um, The good thing about the, the forward group in particular is that even if, whether Bergeron stays or goes, you still have Marchand, Pasternak, Zaka. You got Taylor Hall, if you need him, you got Charlie Coyle, you know, so just right there is already a core of guys that can, I mean, that's, those are playoff caliber guys. Like you could, you could put me out there on a wing and we'd still probably be an eight seed. So I think you're going to see, regardless, you're going to see more Oscar Steen, more Lauco, more McLaughlin, more Beecher. You're going to see more of those guys that don't cost as much money. Um, Whether or not they're ready, I'm not sure, but I think a lot of that's just going to come down to the finances.
1: Yeah, I I totally agree. And it doesn't matter to me if Bergeron, I'm, I'm actually thinking highly that Bergeron and Gracie don't come back, but if they do, I I honestly think that youth is still going to be implemented, Um, you know, because you still have to work. uh, You got, you got salary cap constraints coming up. It's going to be, it's not going to be an easy time for Evan gold and Don Sweeney. Uh, So I think a lot of the youth at cap friendly numbers is going to be instilled in the roster next season to, to be compliant. So um, great question. Jeff Mo chilling, Jeff Mo chilling. Love that. What do you think, Grace? Sort of the same thing.
0: Yeah, I would say so. I think to answer the second part of that question, I don't think that um, without Bergeron and Craigie, which you're right, I'm every day I get a little more worried that it won't happen. But I don't think it has to be a retool, rebuild yet. Um, I think we've put ourselves in a pretty good position, despite the, the the salary cap constraints, a pretty good position to not have to do this entire you know knock on wood this entire rehaul at least in the near, near future, um, which is good considering how few draft picks we have. Um, But so I don't think it will have to be an entire rebuild. I think that we have really good players coming up from the AHL um, who haven't had the chance in many cases to prove their abilities at the uh, NHL level. Um, So I think that, you know, I still have a lot of hope and faith in the team. Uh, I think Steve's right. You know, I think the three of us could be their fourth line. And you have those guys up in the, in the top half. And I don't know. Yeah. I I honestly, Hey, maybe we third line, who knows? Um, But I think that uh, I think uh, there's a lot of talent there. So I'm not, I'm not terribly worried if they don't come back just in terms of, we're not going to have to do what I think the penguins are going to have to do in a couple of years, which is just, you know, you're flipping everything over. So, um, and and let's remember,
2: well, sorry, let's remember you made a great point. That you don't have any draft picks, so sucking gets you nothing. Like you don't benefit right. at all from from tanking. Yeah, and exactly. You don't. You're not getting
1: con- next year's Connor
2: Bedard. It's not going
1: to happen. Right. If hey, I want to mention if we were the fourth line, I want to be the right wing because I want to come with the back scratching. <laughs> come on. Was that a funny <laughs> fail? That was pretty good. Oh, see, see. I liked
0: okay. it. I liked it. Okay. It's <laughs> <a> success. <laughs> I would
2: get 125 penalty minutes and they would all be lazy.
1: (laughs) No back checking, nothing. All right. um, To wrap this up, uh, we do have a Patreon account that we're doing. And uh, this this month is the uh, Adam McQuaid jersey. It's hand signed, fully authenticated right here. And it says right there, 2011 Stanley Cup champs. So if you want to be eligible for this jersey, please donate $1 per episode. And I'll tell you a little bit about how this Patreon thing works is that $1 is donated to us to help uh, uh, pay the bills here at the Black and Gold Sports Media Company. And uh half of that dollar goes into buying new jerseys every month for uh listeners and Patreon members to win. So please go to patreon.com/slash black and go hockey podcast and help us out. We'd certainly appreciate it. There's nothing more than I like doing is is delivering a, no, I don't deliver, but I ship a hand signed <laughs> jersey. I will lo- I well, they I want don't. to go to freaking California to hang out with Casey. I think Casey would love me to go up there and give her her Matt Grizzly jersey that she won last year.
2: Oh, I maybe think someday. Have fun.
1: Here's your someday. jersey. By the way, can I use the bathroom? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, while I'm here, do you have any beverages?
0: <laughs> any Celtics? Any Celtics? Yeah, exactly.
1: Around? Yeah, <laughs> I'm down on the celties, my friend. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no. I mean, it, it's it, it's a great little program to uh you know spice up the fan cave and so on because uh, I know you need it. So we certainly uh, would appreciate any any um. Uh, more uh, donations uh, we always do that but i always like uh, working with bruce sullivan from boston sports and music memorabilia getting these jerseys and so on they're authentic and he takes a video and pictures of every time he gets somebody signed so i think he had um oh jeez i think he had ed johnston and jerry cheevers who were the um uh, the starting goaltender and the backup for both stanley cups in 70 and 72 recently so um, I'm going to probably buy some of those jerseys and maybe even raffle them, not raffle them, but give them away as a set. You know, nice. two jerseys for one would be nice. a great thing for, uh, for, for our listeners and supporters. So we Love appreciate it. everybody that does that. Love it. I appreciate it. We appreciate everybody who tunes in
2: uh, every week. It's a blast for us to get up here and do this. Um, and again, this episode, uh, as always, brought to you by fanduel.com, the official, uh, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Sign up now at slash Boston and claim your no sweat first bet for a thousand dollars. Uh, this is a lot of fun considering that uh, the season's over and everybody's depressed. I still think we're, uh, we're having fun with it. Um, but thanks everybody for joining us. It's been great.
1: Thanks again for tuning in and supporting this week's episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating and write a review on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. If you'd like to contact the show for advertising opportunities or to send us a question or topic idea we should be discussing, please send us an email to blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. Don't forget to share our program on your social media platforms with other hockey fans and follow our Twitter accounts at black and gold pod at BNG productions at black and gold two seven, seven and at Kevin underscore O'Keefe 89. Also, please don't forget to check out our official black and gold website, where we cover the Bruins organization from the NHL level down to the prospects worldwide. Peace out.